all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To your previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Did you do some really dangerous things when you were a teen? Sometimes those risk-taking behaviors can be deadly. Do you wonder sometimes how you even survive? Why have an effort to diminish accidental death and injury in teens' health? Today we'll talk about the whys and what to do about risk-taking. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. You can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about risk-taking behaviors. So did you engage in some really dangerous things when you were a teen and, and just wondered how you even survived? Well, sometimes those risk-taking behaviors can truly be deadly to our teens, as you know. So why haven't our efforts to diminish accidental death and injury in teens particularly helped? Uh, Today we'll talk about, there's some whys, there are actually some pretty good scientific studies that tell us why we haven't helped as much as we had hoped. And then we'll talk a little bit about what we can do, but I want you to join in the conversation. I want to hear um, about you and and how you did in your teen years and also maybe what you're struggling with with your teens or what you struggled with. Now, I don't want to imply that risk-taking behaviors just occur in teens because they don't. There are some adults who continue to engage in risk-taking behavior and maybe some of you listenings are one of them. There are probably some reasons for that. It's exhilarating. It's exciting to be able to do some things um, that are maybe risky and you come out on the other end successful. And, you know, that's how um, a lot of uh, people in the area of sports or other competitive areas um, work. They engage in competition that sometimes is risk-taking, like downhill skiing, competition, ski jump competition, um, skateboarding many times can be very dangerous. All those things can yield great reward 
even um, sports such as football, obviously very risky um, in during some times. So I'm not saying all risk-taking behavior is bad. What I'm saying is that risk-taking behavior in teens is often not well thought out. And uh, what do we what do we need to do? How do we need to move to protect our teens? So. Join in the conversation. Tell us what your thoughts are at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org. Good morning, Michelle. I know you and I talked a lot about the the teenage issues and risk taking, and that's one of those things that is is hard um when you have a teen like you do um not to worry about it right yes it is hard hi everyone this is michelle mcadoo um it is challenging to uh to think about what if the what ifs especially with her Mm -hmm. wanting to drive now yeah the driving is where we are now she wants to i've been letting her get behind the wheel and um do some little testing and do parking lots and do our neighborhood and things like that. But the thought of just letting her take the car and go, it scares me to death. I just want her to be responsible. Right. I want her to think. I want her to not be on her phone and uh, not be distracted completely. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I know every parent is shaking their head. Yes. Yes. So how do you get over that fear? How do I actually um, yeah. at a point in time feel comfortable with her uh, being in the car, right? That's a great question, and um, we'll we'll get to all of that in a few minutes because that is exactly. Um, should you have um, maybe some very thoughtful process about this? Yes, absolutely, because your fears are not unwarranted, um, and maybe this is a good time for me to talk a little bit about accidental death um you know um the total death rate for 10 to 19 year olds in the u.s declined to by 33 percent between 1999 and 2013 but then it began to soar back up it's back up 12 percent um between 2013 and 2016 and predictors are that it's it's climbed even higher. And the most common reason for teen mortality is still traffic accidents, accidental deaths. Of course, um, homicide, suicide are, are also in there. Other accidental injuries that we'll talk about. But your worries, Michelle, are, are warranted because that is... Um, you know, still the highest area of death. And we probably have more teen drivers as we're moving along. Um, so, the, you know, when we're, when we're looking at that, why our teens are dying, um, that's the most common reason. But we also have um, problems such as drug overdoses, homicides, suicides, um, Illness, cancer, heart disease, you know, are there, um, but rare. Um, we, our team, we lose our teens from preventable deaths. And so that's, that's what I, I wanted to talk about today, 
and the risky behaviors, things that we did that were dumb um, when we were young, just just not thinking through, and and then then why do we do that? Um, and I, I think many of you out there who are listening listening to this have have spent a lot of time worrying, and so toward the end of the show, I want to give. Um, everyone, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, people who care about these teens and young adults, ways to perhaps set the stage for more success and, and less less injury. And, you know, I gave you the, the teen mortality, the risk of teen mortality, but, but the other issue is keep in mind all those teens who are involved in injury um, don't die. Many of them um, have to live with a significant disability. And so that's what we want to, we want to prevent the deaths. We want to prevent also, of course, the, the disability. You know what, Dr. So, um, Butchers, a lot of, yeah. you, you asked the question, why do teens um, um, uh, partake in risky behavior and why did we when we were younger and it made me think about a few things you know I'm up in age now and you think about back in your 20s my teens not too much because I was with my father and my mom and um Mm -hmm. I didn't do uh, my father was real strict so it wasn't that I just had free will to do what what I wanted to do but once I got to college and of course living on campus and doing stupid i'm just gonna call it like it is stupid things now you can say look back and say right. they were stupid but you ask yourself why <laughs> why did i do i was i'm not in unintelligent i was very learned you know i i knew right from wrong but i think at that age especially 20s and things like that young 20s 18 19 do we feel that we're invincible that it can't happen to me you see it on television you see it in a movie and you think oh that could never be me is that what teenagers right. or young adults think? Pretty I think I much. Know. Maybe I was thinking yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those of uh, those of our listeners who have been with this show for a while have heard me talk many times about the maturation of the brain, and that the brain really has not uh, been completely developed until mid twenties. And particularly in boys. And so, um, in fact, I think there is some new evidence that in some it may be 28. Wow. So um, the, the latest to mature area of our brain is that prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex, the front part of the brain, in the frontal lobes is the part that helps us reason out. It's the area of ex- executive function. So we process through things. We think through things. So if we get behind the wheel, for example, and we go, oh, I love to go fast. Um, going around a curve fast is so much fun and exhilarating. And when I get around the other side, it's like, I did that. I was almost on two wheels, but I did it. Um, you know, we may think about doing that, but um, there are many reasons that I wouldn't speed around a tight curve. Um, one, uh, it would be dangerous. 
and I really might not come out of the curve. Two, um, it's illegal to speed, so I might get a ticket. Um, three, I, I really would like to live, and I don't want to hurt myself. So, you know, you sit there through all that, that that is dangerous, I could be killed, it's illegal, I could be put in jail or ticketed or something like that. For teens, um, a lot of times the 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 hope and the feeling of that exhilaration to do something um, is is overweighs that thinking through the possible dangers or the fact that I might get in trouble. Um, there are some studies, and we'll talk a little bit about the science of it in a more simplistic uh, form, but but while we're talking about teens behind the wheel or thinking through other stuff, the other thing that we know is that peer pressure is very, very important. And so if um, studies have shown that teen behavior when around peers is often more risky than if they are alone in the area of teen driving and other areas. So that if you pull a peer out um, and they're in the car alone or if they're thinking through something alone about the dangers, they're less likely to do something dangerous. Not so with adults. Adult driving behavior is pretty much, in most adults, pretty much the same with or without a peer in the car. So that's one of those things to, to just think about as we're we're moving along. Um, so when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about a really interesting study that was done uh, looking at the way teens' brain, brains work and why. And we'll talk more about some of that unsafe behavior. And as we move through the show, we'll, we'll talk about how we can safety things up. But I really want you to join the conversation. I want to hear about that stupid behavior that you did when you were a teen and and, you know, what what you think about it now, or perhaps what you've seen occur in others. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about risky behaviors. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we are talking about risky behaviors. Why do people engage in risky behaviors? Well, one of the most common reasons is that feeling of exhilaration when you come out on the other side of that risky behavior that you did it. You're okay. Um, teens tend to engage in that without thinking through the ultimate outcome and whether or not it's safe. Let me give you just a few things to hang your hat on as we're talking and why it is such an important topic for us to talk about 
and teens, but they're also adults who continue to engage in that risky behavior because it's so exhilarating and sometimes not thinking through themselves. So um, why does that happen? Why do you think that happens? And do you have some instances when you perhaps lost someone when they were doing something risky, trying to prove something to someone else? Um, I'd love for you to join in and let us hear from you. You can call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So we talked about the the driving issues, but let's step a little bit further into this. Um, sexual unsafe, unsafe sexual behavior is another one. Um, you know, and and engaging without protecting yourself. That's one. Alcohol and substance abuse and tobacco abuse. Um, typically, by the way, the data is out there that says that if you haven't started smoking before the age of 18, it's almost completely unlikely that you will start. That almost never happens now. So it's teens who are, are continuing to smoke. Although the numbers are down, it's still there, even with all the terrible data we know about how bad um, smoking and tobacco use is for you. The same thing goes with with alcohol use and abuse. Um, teens are much more likely to engage in um, binge drinking and to engage in poor uh, self care. But but back to some of the most dangerous risky behaviors, um, other than unprotected uh, sex, about. 42% of high school drivers text or email while driving. About 40, and that was through a survey, an anonymous survey to teenagers to, um, to state about their risky behaviors. The far majority, over 80%, um, of students who rode a bike, uh, prior to the survey never used a bike helmet ever. And um, about, you know, a huge amount don't engage in good um, self-care, like sleeping appropriately and the like, which, of course, then increases the risk of injury during, when you're doing risk-taking behaviors. And then one more thing, about 18% of students had five or more drinks of alcohol in a row on at least one day during the 30 days before sur the survey was done, five or more, I'm not talking about one or two drinks that, of course, are illegal for adolescents, but five or more, binge drinking to a significant level of intoxication. So, so highly, highly concerning. Um, Okay, I believe. Let's go on to the phones. We have Eric from Liberty. So uh, let's go to Eric. Good morning, Eric. Thanks for calling. Good morning, Dr. Buttress and the lovely Miss McAdoo. Uh, I got a crazy story. When I was 18 years old, uh, I was in the military, and uh, <clears throat> I went to a club and had about three Long Island iced teas, uh, which, you know, got multiple liquor in it. And so I left the club, and I came back on the military post, and 
Of course, the MPs waved me through, and I drove another two miles. But uh, mm. there were blackouts. I mean, there uh, was time that, you know, I didn't remember anything. And so it was just right. really crazy. So alcohol is a dangerous thing, and that was my risky behavior. And uh, I'd urge people to drink at home. <laughs> but that's all <laughs> I wanted to say. <laughs> I, I'll, well, hang, I'll hang up. Eric, let me Okay. Well, okay. Let me ask you one question, Eric, before you hang up. Okay. So you engaged in that you are very right. But now you just said you were in the military. How old were you when you um, were in the military? I was 18 at that time. 18, right. And so still, I think, thank you for that, because that is one of the most common terribly risky behaviors. And so you combine two risky behaviors with drinking and then getting behind the wheel. And so we know we'll never stop completely teen drinking. Um, But something that you mentioned is that if we could just get the message out that please don't get behind the wheel um, when you you drink. And so, um, well, clearly, Eric, you survived that. I think there are many people out there who have done the same thing you did. I appreciate you calling in. Because um, that that allows us to talk just a little bit more about some ways. So maybe right now is a way to pepper a couple of suggestions instead of leaving them to the end. So um, first of all, I would never promote um, having a quote safe drinking environment for kids or for, for teens. Um, it is illegal to drink. Any household who allows um, teens other than their own to drink is is um, operating outside the law. So know that you should never allow a teen who is visiting your home to drink. I'm not recommending that you allow your teen, but I'm just saying you if you allow a teen to drink in your home and then they leave your home and they're in um, an accident, then you are liable. So um, that's one thing to remember. The other thing is as you're talking to your children about safe driving and safe behavior, um, you need to leave a portal open because teens tend to do dumb things. Like Michelle just said, they just we do stupid stuff when we're teens. And so you need to leave a portal open if they do that they're not hung if they let you know that something happened. So um, tell them if they get in a situation where they don't think they can drive home um, that they need to call. If they need to identify someone besides yourself because you don't know if you can control your anger, um, make sure that you have it set up, that it's an older sibling who will go get them or an aunt or an uncle or a close friend that they feel confident with. But if you leave that portal open, at least you can keep them safe as they're coming home. So that's one thing I just want to suggest. Um, okay, I know we have another caller. I believe it's John in Liberty. Hey. Hey, Hello? John. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I, I, you were talking about doing stuff when you're young and stupid. Um, I yeah. Had moved to, I, yeah, I had moved to Jackson back in my young, stupid early twenties. Ordered brand new 
Mustang Mach 1 V8 straight shift, and we were out riding, and a friend of mine was with me, and we decided to race a Corvette around the interstate in Jackson. And um, Yikes. Well, it, it went well till we passed Highway Patrolman, and uh, we, uh-huh. we, we got off <laughs> at the next exit, and the Corvette didn't get off at the next exit. So the the Corvette and the highway patrolman went past us, and I guess he got the ticket. <laughs> but oh but anyway, what, what what I wanted to say, um, I remember from um, from college that the brain does kind of rewire itself from back to front. And the last place, is, as y'all were talking about a while ago, to get hardwired, so to speak, is the prefrontal cortex. And, you know, the prefrontal cortex, the myelin that hardens those circuits, it can be mid-20s before it gets hardened in. And up the end, you're just making stupid choices. And one more comment before I retired. I worked with teenagers for over a year. And the other thing teenagers you have to be concerned with, basically, Doc, they're a bunch of they're a walking bag of hormones. <laughs> Absolutely. You are so right. Yep. And so you have to be careful about knowing what's driving the teenager, right? Yep. Um, I'll let you go. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, John, for calling in. And by the way, listeners, John's from Satillo. Um, I I missed that cue. Um, so, John, thanks for calling, and you're you're bringing up again uh, another good point. Um, you've got for boys, you've got that testosterone going. Um, it's all new, body's changing. You're trying to be cool, and he mentioned that he was with a friend. So, even more risky behavior goes up when you're with a friend because it's really important to be cool in front of your peer. And so as you're moving along in that risky behavior, it's just exhilarated. So, yeah, let's talk about one other piece that I wanted to mention about brain maturation. So um, different than adults in um, teens, the reward center of the brain, which is the membrane, the, the midbrain, the limbic system, um, matures earlier and it also seems like the reward system according to some research um, when you're doing risky behavior that dopamine release that that neurochemical that's released when you're exhilarated and excited um, is more profound in teens than it is in adults. So that reward, that limbic system, that reward center overrides any kind of work that might be going on in the prefrontal cortex. The other interesting thing is the reason it doesn't happen in younger children is there's not that same limbic system reward release that um, teens have and in fact it's much diminished from both teens and adults so there's a real scientific reason and that's why sometimes all our lecturing and talking about how important it is to be safe and 
and how important it is to take care of yourself just sort of goes, um, is overridden by the, the pleasure center. So, Dr. Butcher, so when we're, yeah. when I'm screaming at my teenager, 16 year old, what is wrong with you? How come you don't understand? You don't get it. <laughs> they literally don't get it. It's nothing that we're, um, your child is not crazy. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with them. It's actually almost normal. If that's what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> saying that they really don't get it. And if they get it, even a very bright, I think it's really in, in frustrating to parents who know their children are very bright. Mm-hmm. Um, even a very bright child will have um, all of that reasoning just completely overridden. And so um, it's important to keep that in mind. And so um, I think we it's probably about time for us to go to our next break. Is that right, Michelle? Sure is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to tell me that. Um, so when we go to our next, when, when we get back, we'll talk more about maybe what we need to do to protect our teens um, and help override what's happening to them. And that doesn't mean diminishing hormones. When we get back, we'll talk about some solutions at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Join the conversation. Tell us about your experiences and your thoughts. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. This is Dr. Susan Buttress and I am today. We are talking about risk-taking behaviors in anybody, but particularly the amount of risk-taking behaviors and accidents and injuries that happen with teens due to this risk-taking behavior and and why it happens. And there's some scientific reasons why it happens. We've been talking about that brain maturation just isn't there yet. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But I want to go on back to the phone. We have Richard in Jackson who has called in to join the conversation. So, Richard, hey, thanks for calling. What what makes you think that after you're a teenager, there's any real maturation when there's people in prison and people getting married and getting divorced and making all kinds of uh, bad decisions and they're adults a whole lot longer? Quiet, quiet, boy. There's a whole lot more uh, longer adults than they are teenagers. And, you know, I don't, you talk about that guy with that Corvette and the Mustang. I, we built a car. And went down on a 59 from Hattiesburg. We were doing about 150 miles an hour and having a good time and, you know, just trying it out. But it seems that I don't think people ever really do get mature except a few selected ones. What do you think? 
<laughs> well, Richard, I hope you're wrong. Actually, um, there you're you're right in that there's some people who who don't ever get over that need for the exhilaration and the need for for danger um, and and risk taking. But the majority do. There are, you know, like I said, there are functional MRI studies where they can truly look at brain activity and look at what parts of the brain that are working as an activity is going on. And they've been able to show that that adults in the majority, in the majority brains are um, uh, working better in certain areas than than teens are. But you're right. There are still some individuals. Now, in defense of some of those individuals who have ended up in jail, they never had anyone who helped them factor through things. Um, it may be also that their brains um, were exposed to drugs during pregnancy. Um, the drugs and alcohol during pregnancy, particularly alcohol um, drunk by the mother during pregnancy, has shown a significant injury to the frontal cortex and the prefrontal cortex and executive function. There's some evidence that a lot of those people who have ended up in jail are people who, who kind of didn't have a fair start at the beginning because they already had some difficulty with their brain um, functioning early on. Um, and because of that prenatal injury, that injury when they were still in the womb. And so I'm given, um, I, I'm just, that's one of my, my big mantras uh, is that, uh, you know, we've got to give all our kids a fair start. That may be part of the problem. Of it is, is that just the way some people are wired. Can I make one more Richard. comment? Sure, absolutely. Okay, you talked about people that have this thing in the womb and all these other ones. But what about the people that don't get caught that do some behavior like that, especially uh, our politicians? You know, to me, they're a bunch of crooks that never got caught, and their behavior is just as bad as the ones that do get caught. You know, it's uh, uh, I just don't really think that, uh, people in general in this day and age uh, are any better than they were when they were cavemen because it's just all about impulse and reaction and, and uh, uh, no forethought yeah. about what they're doing. And uh, that's why I think most of the general population on this whole planet is just as messed up as the ones who have these problems. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, and it is healthy. Um, unfortunately, it's just human nature that many times individuals, if they do a risky behavior, if they go do something that's illegal or dangerous or hurtful and they don't get caught, um, then it may be to them to continue the behavior because, oh, okay, I did okay this time, so I should, maybe I can keep doing it without any kind of retribution. So your point's good that there are a lot of people doing ridiculous things and dumb and stupid things um, that hurt themselves or other people and they never get caught. And then there are some people who get caught for minor things. 
And so um, that, that unfortunately is not fair, but it's the way life is. And so all we can do is try to keep, keep people say, as safe as we can. So thanks for that call. Well, let's stay on the phone. I believe we have Bill from Water Valley. Hi, Bill. Curious about your conversation because uh, I have a boy. He's 15, and uh, lately he's just been, uh, I mean, he's acting like never before. Just, I mean, a couple of weeks ago he had a car wreck because him and his buddies were trying to race out on the highway. And, you know, he's always been a good boy, and, you know, you're talking about that risk-taking behavior, and I was just, uh, I don't know. He had a car wreck, and then a few months ago he got caught at school because he was trying to put peanut butter on the principal's chair in his office. And, uh, oh, I mean, goodness. he done tore up three or four weed eaters trying to weed eat the yard, and, you know, he just runs them wide open and hits trees, and, you know, he hits a satellite dish. Oh, goodness. Well, you just said, you know what I loved uh, hearing you say is that he's a good boy. And do you do you truly well, believe that he's a good boy? Yeah, I mean, he's all right sometimes. I mean, he, he's good <laughs> when he's asleep. <laughs> so you're describing a really impulsive kid and um, who you you noted what we've already talked about is that he is um he was doing that racing with his peers with his friends and our whether they were real friends or not somebody he was trying to well, impress it, it's, his buddy, uh, it's his buddy joseph washington who he's, he's gone to school with all his life and so yeah and somebody he cares about and he cares about what what he thinks and so he's trying to be cool and funny in front of him um it sounds like he's doing some pretty impulsive things it, yeah, it I mean, might he is he's always been impulsive i mean sometimes he'll have a little fit or he, he just gets real mad and he'll like hit his hand against his forehead and say tender meat for some reason i don't know where the hell he got that from but he, he just says tender meat tender meat and will hit his forehead and I mean, I sometimes I think I need to get it checked out. Well, you know what, Bill, you're mentioning a couple of things that tell me he may he may need some help in impulse control, and he he really may be very very frustrated with himself because I'm sure that you have have said a few times, "What in the heck were you thinking?" Um, and you know, our response over and over is, it's probably not even a good idea to ask that question because they weren't, that's the answer. I wasn't thinking. And so it, it may be that there's something going on in his brain that's bothering him, something that he needs to talk about, or it may be that he's frustrated with himself. So I would encourage you to seek some counseling with somebody who knows how to talk to adolescents, whether whether that's a psychologist or a social worker or somebody who is trained to talk to them. And, you know, he may say, I don't want to talk to anybody, but I think it would be a good idea to give him an opportunity and just say, 
you know, you can you can preface it with, son, I love you a lot, but you continue to do some things that you're not thinking through, and I think we need to get some help. Because as you probably know, punishment alone often does not achieve a change in behavior. Um, yeah, many- well, you know, my daddy, uh, when I was a teenager, I you know, I had a little bad streak, but my daddy would whoop me. And I always told myself, I'm not going to whoop my kids, um, you know. So, I mean, he he's done a couple bad things, and, you know, I might take a cell phone away from him or, you know, ground him to where he can't hang out for a couple weeks. Yep. But yeah, I'm you really know, wondering, when... like, the risk-taking behavior, what do you do to make that stop? Or for him to think about stop. the consequences of his actions a little more. Yeah, yeah. Well, the there there's several ways. One thing you can do is um, impart some pretty firm rules on what he can do when he drives, for example. Um, that no longer, when he's driving, can he have his cell phone in the front seat. No longer can he have his best friend in the car with him um, until, you know, and set, set it for you know, not just two weeks, but for a month, so that he can see how much safer his driving is. To, um, You know, one thing the Highway Patrol has said often about uh, boys and girls in driving is that the very best thing you can do for these teens is to have them drive without peers in the car. And the reason is friends... People they care about tend to egg them on. Um, They tend to want to show off for them. And so to set up some rules, I mean, if he did something dumb in the car with his friend, um, then say, okay, I'm not blaming him for your actions, but clearly you don't have appropriate actions when he's in the car with you, so y'all can't drive together. You can hang out together, but you can't drive together. Um, And to try to start thinking through some of those things, what is the cause, what is the reason, and where can I protect him? So to throw up some of those protectors to, to safety things up. Like I said, a cell phone often is a a dangerous weapon in a car because it's such a distractor. So they have to ride with the phone unsilent, and if it comes out of the center console, then the phone leaves. Um, So I know it's time for us to take a break. I've gotten a message from Michelle, so we'll go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, I'd love to hear from more of you. We we still have time for a a couple of calls. You can call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can send that email to family at mpbonline.org. We're talking about risk-taking behaviors and protecting our teens. This is Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back. Thank you. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening and staying with us. This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about risk-taking behaviors in teens and, and why that happens for teens than in adults. We will. In, um, in some adults, but, but not so much, not as much as in, in teens. Um, so, one thing we were talking about is that the brain maturation um, in that reward center is way before that reasoning center in the prefrontal cortex. The other thing that I, I want to make sure we, we talk about, too, is that the prefrontal cortex also helps us process peer influences. So, that's the other reason that we take our peers uh, more seriously. So if there is uh, disapproval or approval coming from peers, it's not processed as appropriately in um, in teens because, again, of that brain maturation. Let's go on to our next caller. Michelle, who's our next caller? Is Rufus from Belzona. Rufus from Belzona. Hi, Rufus. Thanks for calling. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to make a comment on the man that was on there last about uh-huh. spanking children. I, I'm a firm believer in spanking a child when he misbehaves. I think that's exactly what's wrong with this country now. People don't make their children behave because they have no consequences besides getting a phone took away from them. My daddy raised five children. We all are good people. We ain't none of us have been to prison. We're not a bunch of dope heads or drunks or nothing like that. And it's because we were raised right and we were spanked when we were raised. And that's what's wrong, in my opinion, why this country is the way it is now. People won't make their children mind and won't whip them when they deserve a whipping. And that's more or less the only thing I've got to say, ma'am, and I thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for calling in. And... And I hear what you're saying, and I, I'm going to agree with you on one point. There have to be consequences for negative behavior. Um, now, consequences don't have to be spanking. And and I'll I'll just say, Rufus, there there is some data that shows, especially spanking in teens is of no value. And so, um, in in fact, it tends to go the other way. Good discipline is very important. And so, I think how to spank, how not to leave marks, that's another whole show. And and honestly, the uh, as you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics has decided just to say, don't spank, because it's hard to teach what a pop in the butt is as opposed to a beating. So, um, like I said, that's another whole show. But I think, Rufus, you're very correct. There have to be consequences for negative behavior. And there are ways to have consequences for negative behavior. And it's not, you know, I think the mistake that parents often make is that they're not consistent um, with it. They make a rule, and then because it's too easy to just let go of the rule they do 
uh, they give a punishment, and then because it's too easy to just let them have their phone back or their car back because they're too, it's too hard to drive the child where they need to go because they can't drive anymore and the like, that they let it go. Parenting takes hard work, and it takes time, and it takes knowing and understanding each stage of development in a child. So with that said, um, I just hope everybody out there will work really hard to try to understand that teen brain, understand that um, even a really great teen sometimes has great difficulty in in figuring out um, how dangerous something is. So it's our job to protect them and keep them in a safe environment. So thanks, everybody, for your calls today. This was great. Where were the women, by the way, calling in? Um, Today's show was um, engineered by my producer, Michelle McAdoo, and our call screener. Who was our call screener today, Michelle? We had Java Chapman and Jay White. Oh, we had lots of great participation. Thanks. Thanks, Java and Jay. Well, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for another great show of Relatively Speaking that you'll stay tuned for NPR's here now. Coming up next on MPB Think Radio.